This morning we're talking about judgment in your jaws. And um, that has to do with, you know, the fact that we'll be judged according to our word. But before, uh, our key text is from Matthew chapter 12, from verse 31 to 37. Just a few verses. I'm going to ask you to find that in your Bibles. And as you do, I'm going to, I, I want to share with you something just coming, just tracking the scriptures from Genesis. As you search, you can just listen with your ears. But you'd realize that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The scripture says that. He did it with the creative power of words. What I mean by that, he said, let there be light, and there was light, right? And he says, let there be, and there was. And he spoke things into existence. Amen? So there is a creative power in words, and we see that in Genesis. The first major incident in Genesis, outside of creation, was the fall of Adam and Eve. And do you realize that the fall of Adam and Eve had to do with words? Spoken words. Uh, The enemy, Satan, in the form of a serpent, comes about and he opens his mouth. And he says, did God really say that? So when God spoke, there was a creative power. And the enemy spoke in the same beginning. And there was a destructive power that separated man from God. I mean, that's what happened, right? We just want to make sure that actually. Do you also realize that during the time of Noah, Noah was speaking to the people and nobody was responding? So again, uh, uh, the, the, the power of words and people not listening to the conviction. God spoke to Noah and Noah spoke to his family and they spoke to the people and those who listened to the spoken word were preserved in the ark. You continue in the scriptures and there's a story of Jacob where he wrestled with the angel of the Lord. And he says, I will not let go until you bless me. All right. And that caused his name to be changed from Jacob to Israel in that whole experience. Again, you see the power of words. There, there's a story about David and Goliath. And you see again the expression of words where the scripture speaks about how Goliath was taunting the children of Israel for days during the war. And David opened his mouth and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And so David, by his word, immediately nullified the, the, the words of the enemy. And then he, before he killed him, his words destroyed him. You saw again the use of words. When you come to the New Testament, one of the major incidents of Jesus was the Garden of Eden in Genesis, and he went up into a mountain. At the beginning of his ministry, and he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of it, the scripture said he was tired. And know who turns up? The enemy turns up. To the last Adam. Some say the second Adam. The last Adam. And started with what he tried in Genesis. Because now one Adam messed up. So God sent Adam to restore what the first Adam messed up. The enemy realized what was happening. And what he did, he opened his mouth hoping to mess up. What the 
last Adam came to fix up. What did Jesus do? Unlike the Adam in Genesis, Jesus said, it is written. Again, the word spoken changed the dynamics. And so here's what is happening. Today, because, listen, Jesus did not win at the cross. He finished his victory at the cross. What do I mean? Jesus won or started winning from that point. In other words, he, he conquered the devil right in that moment. And from there on, he had continuous victory up to the cross. And when he got there, he said, it is finished. Listen, the words you speak will determine the battles you win. The words you speak will determine the battles you lose. Because words have creative power and they have destructive power. Words spoken and words received can shape how you perceive the enemy and how you perceive God to be. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to get a little deeper into it. Now that that should have been enough time for you to find the scripture I was given. Some of the faster ones, enough time. And some of the slower ones, enough time. So now that you have found Matthew chapter 12, if you still have not found it, I don't know um, if we will be able to help you. You will have to look at the overhead. And if you can't read what's on the overhead, then we pray that God may help you. I've just lost mine, so let me find it quickly. Matthew chapter 12. Can you jump to your feet with me for the reading of God's word? We do this because we honor God by standing for the reading of his word. Matthew chapter 12. I know you thought the sermon had started, and, and what, but don't worry. Matthew chapter 12, 31 to 37. Come on, just lift your Bibles up. If you read it this week or last week, because this is the beginning of a new week, and declare with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I bold it clear that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read for you as you remain standing. Verse 31 says, Therefore I say to you, every sin that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. And anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruits good, or else, the, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Uh, brood of vipers. It's a brood, brood. Brood of vipers. How can you be in evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart 
brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, will, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Heavenly Father, open our ears to hear your voice. Our eyes to see your truth. Our minds to understand your word. Our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. May we be more than mere hearers of your word, but do us also. We decrease spirit of the living God, so you would increase. Jesus Christ, Son of the Most High God, pour a fresh anointing upon us this morning. This is your time, this is your moment, this is your church, this is your people. So all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise belongs to you and to you alone. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so, so much. You may be seated. The goal of this message is to help us to change the things that come out of our mouth by taking inventory of our hearts and giving um, some good things to which we can meditate on or we need to meditate on. This message will prove that the quality of our speech is indicative of something deeper. It will also demonstrate that the source of our speech is our heart. The scripture just said that. Uh, this message will reveal that we will give an account in the next life for everything we say in this life. Like, like stop right there and think about that. Can you imagine, like on the day of judgment, everything you have said in this life, you'll have to give an account for it. It will also encourage us to meditate constantly on scripture and positive messages for the purpose of changing the heart and thus the quality of our words. If you want to change your talk, you have to change your heart. You can't talk better if your heart stays in the same position and in the same place. I think too often we're guilty of trying to change our words to make people feel better and not change our hearts. You, I, 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 I've been guilty of this. You say something to someone and they say, you know, you offend me. And you say, sorry man. And you say it the next way. You say it the politically correct way. Right? But you still feel the same way in your heart. Which is a form of hypocrisy. Because really, you believe the same thing. You're just saying something different so somebody else can feel better though you don't feel any different about them. Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth? So you may walk up to someone and say, Hey, listen, how you look so today? Lord, man, you're going to fix up yourself better. As an example. And, I mean, they thought they really looked good. So they said, why you have to be so harsh? And he said, no, 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 sorry. I just look a joke. I just look a fun. I just joke me and make with you. All right? Do you know if that person had not responded, you would not have said you were joking? So you change your words 
but your feelings, your heart has not changed. We are all guilty of that. And that is why I am sorry is nothing unless the heart has changed. It's like repentance. Saying you are sorry about sin is one step of the process. Repentance is not saying you are sorry. It is turning away from the sin and turning to something else. In other words, repentance is when you make a U-turn. You turn away from sin and you turn to what is good. In other words, a, a, a real sorry person, even if they don't say a word, they change their heart towards the person. And so it changes their conduct. And that is why we oftentimes say, action speaks louder than words. Why? Like, if we could see the heart of people when they say we are sorry, and if the heart isn't saying sorry, we would refuse the I am sorry from the mouth. In fact, if we saw their hearts, and their hearts said, I am sorry, and it didn't come out of their mouth, we would we'd be okay. But what we are not okay with is when the mouth said, and the heart is in a different place. You see, the words we speak, they have consequences. Everyone. They have consequences over your life, and it has consequences over the life of the person who is hearing them. So be careful what you say. Because some people's life are unguarded. What do you mean by that, pastor? You and I may be at a spiritual place where we can quote a scripture. And every tongue risen against me in condemnation shall be proven wrong. You pray that so you have a guarded life over spoken word. Imagine when you and I as believer speak a word over someone's life that is destructive, that has no guard. That is why you have to be careful what you say about your kids. Because sometimes, they, and if you have an unbelieving husband or an unbelieving wife, be careful what you say because they don't have any guards. You and I do. Careful what you say about your co-workers. I've heard people say, listen, I don't know what I'm going to do here. In other words, you'd wish that person didn't even exist. And they have no guards. What if that person should die? Words have consequences. And we will incur judgment for every word we have spoken in our lifetime. But it comes as no surprise to many of us that our attempts to change the words that come out of our mouth are weak at best. Weak. We only say different words because we want to appease people. But we don't have different feelings about the words we say. We don't feel any different about it. We don't feel any different about it. In fact, some of us will say, but are the truth me at all? Although you have no facts to support the truth you're talking. And you have no truth. It's just your truth. Your truth don't mean it is the truth. <laughs> you know. Do you know you could be wrong? Like serious. I know you think you're very bright. But just, just on some occasions, chances are you're wrong. 
about what you say, about what you think. So when our hearts are polluted, when they are corrupt, angry, sad, doubtful, fearful or mean, the nasty words that come out of our mouths reveal the nasty condition of our hearts. If you want to know who and how a person is, listen to them talk. I'm telling you, listen to them. Listen when they talk. And you will know them. Scripture speaks about judgment. You know, the coming judgment on words. It's going to be a big deal. So I want to just explain this so we can understand when it, it, the scripture says, in, in, Therefore I say to you, every, every sin and blasphemy it goes on and it speaks about you will be judged for every idle word. In verse, but I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account of it on the day of judgment. And it speaks about you being judged. What does that mean? Now I want to help you because there are two different judgments. All right? Christians will receive a different judgment. Christians will be sitting at the judgment seat of Christ. If you have received Jesus Christ, that's where you'll be judged. You will not be judged as a Christian based on whether or not you have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Because obviously, if you're a Christian, you would have. And so what that means is that where the wages of sin is death, God is going to look and say, Hey, are you in the yellow shirt down there? Yeah, man, you're supposed to die. And then say, uh, hold on, God. Um, look, look, look over to my left. That's Jesus right there. Ta-da. Remember him? He went to the cross. And he says, okay, all right, come over here. Different judgment for you. All right? That's what's going to happen. All right? But when he looks at you right there, yeah, in the blue chair, yeah, there's no one. Please don't look. I'm just using I didn't want to point at anyone for this because it's not good. All right? So I'm just point. Empty space. Right. Yeah, move your foot, brother. Wait, I don't want this pointed to catch you. Right. You in the yellow chair right here, right? You right here. You never received Jesus Christ. Uh, all right? Um... Um, the wage of sin is death. Oh, you, you can't find anybody? All right. <laughs> right now. Not dog, near my supper. You know, Lucifer. Go have you for supper. That, so that's a different judgment. So the judgment for non-Christian is the great white throne judgment. So what are the two judgments? For Christians, it is the judgment seat of Christ. For non-Christians, it will be the white throne judgment. Though there are two different judgments, it is vital that we understand that the gain or loss of spiritual rewards in the kingdom of heaven, now this is a Christian, is determined in part by the quality of the words we speak while we are here on earth. So we will be now judged in heaven, but in terms of heavenly reward, we are going to be judged and some of us just going to get Party, as an example, for dinner, some of us go and get rice and peas and oxtail. You understand me? Because some of us had loose lips, so you're going to get less food. You understand, that's, that's, as an example. In other words, you were so loose with your talking, though you were saved, that you miss out on some heavenly rewards. Amen? You know, like people graduate from school, you're all graduates, but some of you get... Um, Special, you know, some people get the nice fancy certificates and stuff and get baskets. And all some of you get is 
thanks for being here the last five years. God bless you. You graduate. But some people graduate with distinction. That's what it's like. But we all graduate. Amen? Some persons are in a different category. They ain't graduating. They expel themselves from school. Get that, right? So, if we want to change the quality of things that come out of our mouth, we must examine the quality of our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You are what you say. You are what you talk. You are how you talk. Our spiritual hearts feed our thoughts. Which is our mind. Our spiritual hearts feed our choices. Which is the will. And our spiritual hearts feel our feelings. Which is our emotions. So our soul as you know consists of our mind. Our will and our emotion. So our soul comes out in our mouth. Well, you have, have you ever heard this? The window, the, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. Really and truly, it is your mouth. What you say is telling me what you think. Right? Your heart is telling me how you think. And how you think is a reflection of your heart. The choices you make is a reflection of your heart. And your emotional state is a reflection of your heart. I'll tell you how I know this. Alright? If, if you have depression issue, it's a heart issue. See, people who overspend, it's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. Come on. Do you know that money is not a problem? Come on now. Money is not a problem. If money was a problem, then every bank would have a problem. Money is not a problem. Did you think... Did you really think money is a problem? Money... Listen, money is a problem solver. It's not a problem. The problem is the love of money, which is a heart issue. So people who have money problem really have heart problems. You know, people who have malice issue is not a mouth issue. It's a heart issue. The issues of life, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. So the issue with your mouth is your heart. That's how the game goes. So we must begin to meditate on things that will promote the overall health of our heart. The more we meditate consistently on positive, constructive, uplifting things such as scripture, a good book, a productive discussion, or a thoughtful sermon, the more good food will flow out into our thoughts, our choices, and our feeling that will positively impact our speech and the quality of of our word choices. So if I find myself saying certain things wrong, all I need to do is to fix my heart and then I can fix my mouth. 
so pastor, pastor, but, but how do I fix my heart so I can fix my mouth? Let me tell you something. Like if, if a person wants to have no salt in their diet, they cannot deal with that in the eating process. They have to deal with it in the cooking process. Right? In other words, if you put salt in the pot, you can't filter it anymore. Do you know that you can see the salt before the cooking? But when in the eating, you don't see it, you only feel it. Amen? You know or you taste it. So you know there's salt in it because of the impact on the body, though you can't see it. You only, so between the preparing and the eating, the cooking causes the salt to disappear but have effects. Here's how it works. If you want to fix your heart, you can't filter your environment. You have to change it. How does that make sense? Alright, so growing up as a teenager, they would say to me, you do not need to listen to certain music. So I said, but no, but I can't listen to them because they're not doing anything to me. Me know good from evil. You know who thought they knew good from evil? God tell people to avoid this whole idea that you know good from evil in Genesis. Don't even go near that tree. Because we are not Bright enough in God's eyes to know good from evil. So just stick to obedience. Because if you start thinking about good for evil, you're going to be in problems. So here's what our camp directors would say. Get rid of all secular music. Really? No, sir. You, you know why? Secular music is like salt. Once you eat it, you can't find it. You only feel it. So what you have to do is to not be in the environment. And if you're not being, put yourself in the environment based on what you want to get into your heart. Just like how if you want to have no salt in a diet, you buy at an Ital restaurant. It's the same way if you want godly things in your heart, you have to always be around godly environment. Because, listen, you can't filter what gets in. You only can change the environment. That is why you can't be around unbelievers and your heart get believing stuff. Are you saying that I am not supposed to talk to, to non-Christians? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying to you is that if your primary conversations is always around believers telling you about unbelieving stuff, it's unhealthy. When Jesus was around unbelievers, he led the conversation. I never heard unbelievers teaching Jesus. The problem we have is that we have unbelievers teaching us about life and how the world is supposed to be. <laughs> Let's move in right along. Um, a transformed heart leads to a transformed mouth. Come on, put your hand on your chest and say, if I want my heart to be trans my mouth to be transformed, my heart must be transformed. The scripture speaks about blasphemy. Let me just help you to understand blasphemy because I think it's it's kind of misunderstood what it is. But blasphemy 
very simple in its, in its simplest form. This is not no deep expository of uh, theological uh, truth of our hermeneutics. It's not biblical interpretation. But let me give you in its simplest form what blasphemy is. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to reject Jesus Christ, and this is key that you remember, after having been fully illuminated by that same Spirit. In other words, blasphemy occurs when a person has experienced light. And having experienced light, they in turn turn around and reject and curse the light. So a person who has never been exposed to the Holy Spirit cannot blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So an unbeliever who has never experienced the Holy Spirit cannot blaspheme. Because they have not been exposed or received the truth. It is the people who have received the truth and then reject the truth having received it have blasphemed. Let me give you a good example. Um, they have Navy planes, right? And during World War II, um, there was a Navy ship in the Atlantic and six planes took off from the Navy vessel to bomb the enemy. And on their way back, the ship turned out all the lights so, and they turned out all the lights because they didn't want the enemy to know their location, right? But the problem was that the pilots couldn't see where to land because the lights on the ship were out. So, here it is that they send out the, ship, the, 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 the planes to bomb the enemy, but they couldn't turn on back the lights so that when they are returning, they would know where to land. Because if they turn on the light, then obviously... Um, you know, so the planes radio the ship and ask them to turn on the lights briefly so they could land. With great despair, the captain denied their request. Um, because turning on the lights would jeopardize the safety of hundreds aboard the ship. So the six planes continued circling until they ran out of gas and they plunged to their death because the lights were out. What is the correlation? The correlation here is that God will eventually turn out the light. Remove saving hope for those who have rejected truth when they had the chance. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart like those in the wilderness. Because there comes a time when there is no more light. For those who are worried about whether or not they have committed such a sin as blasphemy, it is, to say, it is safe to say you haven't. You know why I know? Because the fact that you're worrying indicates that you're searching your heart before God. And thus, you have not rejected the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The fact that you still feel conviction is saying that the Holy Spirit is still present. The problem you have in your heart is when you keep on doing sin and you don't feel no way about it. And that is why John says, it is impossible to love God, your heart, and continue in sin. 
And that's speaking to habitual sin. If you're habitually sinning without conviction, it means where is the Holy Spirit? Because part of the Holy Spirit role, according to the Gospel of John, is to convict us of sin and righteousness and eternal judgment. So if you go on in a life and you have no conviction about sin, something is off in your heart. So if you, from time to time, feel, I wonder if I blaspheme, I wonder if I sin, that's a good place to be. At least you have conviction working. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is committed when full, with full disclosure about the truth. So you blaspheme when you know the truth and you reject the truth. You can't blaspheme if you don't know truth. So you blaspheme when you have received or you heard the truth. You understand the truth and you reject the truth of Jesus Christ. And once you have rejected full light, darkness will be all that remain. You get to a point where, listen, there is no saving. There is no hope. And people say, well, pastor, what, what, are you saying that people can lose their salvation? Are you saying that? Listen, uh, listen. Let me explain this because I don't want you to leave you confused. You see, if you're saved... You're saved. The issue is, I don't know if you're saved. And you don't know if me saved. But I know that I am saved. It's not for you to know if I am saved. It's for me to know and for God to know. But one thing I know is that all of us know in our hearts if we save or not. You, you know, you know. You can deny it, but you know. You know if you're right with God or not. One thing every human knows is whether they're right with God or not. They don't need nobody to tell them if they are right with God. What they need is direction as to how to find God and how to... They need teachings and those things. But where you are with God, you know. Because all I can do is look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So the scripture says, In that day many will come and say, Haven't we done this? Haven't we done this in your name? And he will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. Because God knows the sheep different from the goat. He knows the goats who are trying to be sheep. He knows the wheat different from the tear. And he says all of them are going to grow together until the day of harvest. So is it that somebody really lost it? Could it be that they never really had it? They look like sheep, but all along they were good. But we would say they had it. We would say they have salvation. But the truth is, we really don't know. But we can judge by the fruit. But again, we, we, we are limited in our knowledge. And that is why, what is our purpose? To do like David. David said, Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Man ought to do that every day. Say, God, know my heart, know my heart, know my heart, know my heart, God. Show me my heart because I want to be right with you, my Lord and my Savior. So speaking blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will incur judgment. It is what we call the unforgivable sin because it's a rejection of Jesus Christ having received the truth about Jesus Christ. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not a misspoken word. So people used to tell me, if I say that, 
Lord Jesus, them say, hey, you blaspheme, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, look a boy. You know if you blaspheme. I'm like, if you ever call out Jesus' name in my grandmother, house, you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. You know, you know that God now going to forgive you again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's not a misspoken word. I remember, remember once I said, boy, somebody time, boy, I, mean, I said, boy, somebody tell me, can't understand how God works, you know, man. Grandmother, give me a conk. And say, I blaspheme, don't, don't come into my house, you know, blaspheme, boy. That's not, that's, that's not blaspheme, right? It's not a misspoken word. It is a permanent rejection of the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what it is. You permanently reject that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, having come to the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So you know that the truth is He is the Son of God. And you say, you know what? I don't accept that. That is blasphemy. And to, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to reject Christ as indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God, after the Holy Spirit has revealed His truth in you. Amen? Ah, ah, secondly, the source of speech is your spiritual heart. The source of your speech is your spiritual heart. I mean, who, who has gone and taken a medical checkup anytime recently? Recently, all right? Anyone? Oh, nobody? You need to go, we all need to go to the doctor. You need to do a medical every year. So let me ask again. When last have you done a full medical? Anyone? Recently? One? This is not good. We need to visit the doctor. Including me. But, but I mean, do you know that during a, a normal medical examination, this is amazing, right? That when you go to your family physician, one of the things that they will ask you to do is to open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Have you ever wondered, when you go to the doctor, if you say I have headache, they say open your mouth. If you say I have back pain, open your mouth. If you say, you know, let me feel like something wrong inside my chest, open your mouth. You know that my belly has been hurting me for two weeks now, open your mouth. You know, just come for a little normal checkup, open your mouth. Like, like almost everything a, a, a medical doctor says, open your mouth and stick out your tongue. Then they will go on to say to you, say, ah. And you say, ah. When they ask you to open your mouth and stick out your tongue, do you know that they are not merely looking for something wrong in your mouth? They are not really checking your mouth, you know. Trust me, they are not checking how many cavities and all of those things are in your mouth and you know they're not doing that the doctor understands that the condition of the mouth can indicate problems that go much deeper that's what the doctor understands right right uh, any doctor here doctor not saying anything Doc, listen make sure you don't correct me after hey listen the doctor understands that I can look in your mouth and tell what's going on in the rest of your body the doctor looks, and the doctor sometimes, they, when you look in your mouth, it, it can indicate if you have an infection somewhere in your body. It can indicate if you have disease. It can indicate if you have a deficiency in vitamins by looking 
are doing whatever they do when they ask you to open your mouth. They can see all of that in there. Simply by looking at your mouth, they can determine whether something is wrong much deeper inside. What's the correlation? The correlation here is that the condition of our heart is determined by the condition of our speech. Listen, I can listen to you and tell you what is going on in your life. If, I, if people hang around you long enough, they will know if you love Jesus. If people hang around you enough, they will know if you love to pray. They will know if you're reading a Bible. They will know if you're a worshiper. They will know if you love to give. They will know if you're cross. They will know if you're angry. And they will know if you're miserable if they hang around you enough. All of those things, who you are will be known by when you speak. And many people know it. Many people know that people will know who I am. So you know what they do? They don't talk a lot. Like, people know that if I open my mouth, they're going to know too much about me. You know why people avoid talking to people? Because they don't want people to know them. Because they know the moment I begin to speak, I'm going to reveal who I am, and I'm not ready to reveal who I am to you. But when they meet the right person, the things that they would not tell you, they would tell that person. Why? Because they know that my speech is a revelation of who I am deeper inside of me. It's just that you don't need to know that. Isn't that so? Have you ever been told, I don't want to talk to you. I don't talk. Has anyone ever told you that I don't talk a lot? But when they meet up with the right person, you have to ask yourself, hold on. Jesus. <laughs> now you see, I don't talk a lot. In, no. What, what I meant is that to you, I'm not going to talk a lot. Because when I talk, I tell who I am. And you ought not to know who I am. Amen. You can agree with me. It's a danger to be in a relationship with anybody who don't like to talk. Jamaicans say it this way: "Silent river runs deep." All you're saying to you, you spend a person silent. Do not trust them because you don't know what is in them heart. We know it, you know. <laughs> we, we know that the man who don't talk, he, he, like even in the gangster's world, they will tell you, real bad man don't talk, what you know? No, man, the man just keep silent. And them just do things. People know that who you are comes out through your mouth. So I'm not here to tell you not to talk. I want you to talk. I want you to talk a whole lot. Come on, tell the person beside you, you need to start talking a whole lot. <laughs> you probably say to yourself, I have no past. I, I, can't, I don't want them to talk more than I know them talking right now. I don't know. But, but what, what, why? Because Jesus was a talker. But here's the thing. Jesus wanted to talk so much because Jesus had so much in him. He had so much word. Like Jeremiah said, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. 
You see the people who have a lot of the word inside of them, they want to talk because they know when I talk, I'm revealing Jesus. You see, the more of the word you have, is the more you... Listen, I'll tell you this. The more the word you have, is the more you're going to talk. Listen, I know some people come to church. You look at them in church, you say, boy, them come here and silent. Listen, they're not silent. Talk to them about the word. And you have to tell them, listen, <laughs> I was just asking you how you're doing, you know. I'm just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you understand me? That, that's their cup of tea right there. They're going to they go give it to you. I mean, because, I mean, so much word is inside. I was reading my Bible this morning. And the Lord said, you know that last week the Lord was saying. And the Bible says, you know, what do you think when the Bible says this? I was, I, 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 because when you have the word, you want to reveal Jesus. When people don't like to talk, it's because what they have inside of them is not good a lot of times. And they're hiding who they are. Because if words really have creative power, why wouldn't you want to speak them? Why wouldn't you want to speak to your friends and the persons who you work with, with the creative power that lies in your speech? Unless you don't have a creative force working inside of you so you can have creative speech. You don't trust yourself because there's a destructive force that your figure will come out that will destroy people's life. There's no believer that can be silent. The Bible says go into all the world. Preach. The Bible, God commands us as the great commission to preach and teach the word. The thing is that if you don't have the word, you're not going to want to talk. Similar to, to, to the physical heart which pumps blood throughout the body, the spiritual heart pumps the contents of your thoughts, your choices and feelings. Oxygenated blood can carry vital nutrients throughout the body or it can carry con contaminants as well. So the blood that comes from your spiritual heart similarly can carry positive or negative contents that affects how we think, how we feel, and even affect the decision we make. Yeah, we have to fix the heart. Why? Because the mouth is only articulating what the heart is declaring. Long before you see a word, your heart has spoken. Amen? Amen. Your heart has spoken. Let me tell you, I know that words are not as important in, in a particular context. Let me keep this in context. If I came to you and said, Hey, hey, watch out, man. Nobody, hey, nobody said to me, I'm sorry, man. I want you, man. Uh, would you accept my I am sorry? You're not going to accept it. Why? Because my expression... My words may be right, but there's something else. The tone and the spirit of my word is wrong. Amen? Amen. And that is why if I say to you, Lordy, Lordy, come on, man. You have to fix up yourself better. Look how you look, sir. Gee, you can't keep yourself better. Right? Listen. Even if we are friends. You know there's something wrong with my heart. 
Because the tone of it and the spirit of it and the spirit of it comes from where the heart is at. So we must be very mindful of our heart as we deal with our speech. Because the mouth is only articulating what the heart is declaring. Uh, number three, an inventory of everything we say in our lifetime will be reviewed on the day of judgment to determine gain or loss of reward. Come on, just say with me, Lord Jesus, have mercy. I'm telling you, when, when, I, when, I, when I started preparing this, I said, Lord Jesus, I need your mercy. If everything um, we say will be judged on the day of judgment. Every idle word. In, in, in San Francisco Bay, there is a prison that is no longer in use. It's called Alcatraz. Don't know if you have ever watched any of those movies or heard about it. But not all prisoners who were in Alcatraz were on the, on the same level. Because they had what was called the maximum security, medium security, and minimum security. Three levels. And so if you were in maximum security, that meant you were a hardened criminal. And maybe you got out for an hour a day. Otherwise, um, you were in solitary confinement permanently. That was just the maximum security level. But at the medium security level, it, that means you got more free time and you had more time to interact. At the minimum security level... You got to go out and play and you were able to go to gym and wreck time in terms of TV. I've never been there, right? I just read these things in books, right? Believe me. Never been to the prison. Never been to jail, right? Just, just wanted to make me wondering how I have so much experience books, all right? So, in other words, there was much that you're allowed to do at the, the minimum security. But regardless of the level of imprisonment, there was no escaping from Alcatraz. Alcatraz, this prison, it is surrounded by San Francisco Bay. And they say the San Francisco Bay is full of sharks. And it is a great distance from shore that you would not be able to swim to. So whether you are at maximum security, minimum security, or medium security, you're not going to escape, even though you have more time. Prison is prison. You just have more time and more space than some other prisoners. But you're still going to be in prison. Amen? The correlation here is that hell in one sense, has many levels in that there are varying degrees of punishment for those who will spend time there. So some people in hell probably going to be in maximum security, bad, bad sin of them. Some going to be in medium size, medium security. Yeah, you know, maybe them play little basketball down there with the other little people them down there with them. And some have minimum security, you play dominoes and watch a lot of TV. But hell or hell, you understand me? You're still in hell. You, you know, it don't matter. You, that, like, like I, I don't care. I don't want to be in maximum, medium, nor minimum. I want to be in heaven. You understand me? So, so similar, similar to a wiretap though, God remembers everything we say. It's like God has a, a top on our mouth and he's listening to every word. Let me say that again. God hears everything you say. Everything I say. Come on, come on, put your hand on your chest and say, Every word that I speak, God hears it. Can you believe that? Like every time you talk, God is listening. You know who is listening as well? The devil. When you speak, there are two forces who are on standby to do your speech. Demons and angels. So my question this morning is who are you going to put to work? 
Before you speak, ask yourself, who am I going to put to work today? Demons or angels? Before you open your mouth again to speak to someone, ask yourself, who am I going to give this assignment to? Because if you do that, it will caution your speech and force you to check your heart. So on the day of judgment, we will give an account of what we have said during our lifetime. And for Christians, the words we say determine our gain or loss of heavenly reward. It means that we are still in heaven, right? But like I said earlier, while some of us may be getting rice and peas and chicken and oxtail because of the loose words some of us speak, you, you understand me? You're just getting hot dogs for dinner. Uh, finally, we can change the quality of our speech by focusing on the content of our heart. And that's what I want to lock into this morning. I want us to really check what is in our heart. And that is why reading the Bible, praying, listening to gospel music, and that's why that is so important because you have to fill your life with what you want to come out of your life. Come on, just, just one more time, put your hand on your chest and say, I need to fill my life with what I want to come out of my mouth. So what do you want to say about your family? You have to put that inside of you. And when you put it in, it will come out. So if you want a new perspective on your marriage, read some scripture about marriages. Begin to quote and memorize some scriptures. Buy some books that teaches godly principles. Listen to tapes that teach those things. So when you speak about your marriage, you speak concerning truth. Let's go on. Um, have you ever seen a cow eating? They said that cow have multiple stomachs. They say it's four. Right? I've never really counted them. But they said st- cows have four stomachs. And they said when a cow wants to eat some grass, it eats up some grass and chew it long, a long time before swallowing it. But then the cow may want to chew it even more. So the cow will regurgitate it before continuing to chew. But now it's partially digested, so it, it's bringing up part grass and part juice. It, 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 and the cow does this repeatedly until what is left is just juice. So I always tell people that cows don't eat grass. They extract the juice from the grass. It is the juice that goes through their system. The grass can't go in the cow system, so the regurgitation is to get the juice out of the grass. Amen? So it's the same with the word. Sometimes you have to keep reading the word and going over the word and going over the scripture so you can get the juice out of the scripture. Am I making sense? That is why one time is not good enough. And two times is not good enough. And three times is not good enough. You have to go over it and over it and over it and over it until you get the real substance. And like how the juice goes throughout the cow's system, the word of God goes throughout your entire life system. 
infiltrates the cow's system and it is more effective. You see, the correlation here is that the more we meditate on positive things, the more effective they will be at transforming our hearts and changing the quality of our speech. So we should meditate on those positive ideas and continually meditate on those positive ideas. And so the Bible says this in Philippians 4. All right, because you're saying that, Pastor, Pastor, how do I get this? Because, boy, Pastor, some things that come out of my mouth sometimes. You can't believe I'm missing them things there. Sometimes people just get me now in a bad mood. I mean, I really mean it, you know, but somebody, you know, understand them people, yeah, you know, man, pastor. Listen, I, I've been there. And I've done that. And I've felt that way that sometimes people get, hey, people can make, hey, people can make, we do some, say some things that we don't really mean. Don't, yeah, I mean, we have been there, right? Do you know that all people exist to do is to squeeze out what is already in you? Because if it wasn't there, it would not come out. It's exactly how you are. So, come on, say, God, I thank you for people. Because they're showing me, they're showing me what's really inside of me. You see that person that always makes you get cross? God just put them right there to get out the cross, sees out of you. So finally, Bridget, the Bible says, finally, 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 whatever things are true. What, what, you want to know what you're supposed to meditate on? Is it truth? Yeah, you know, people love, love this song. You're still the one I run to. I think by, looks like we've made it. Look how far we've come, my baby. We might have took the long way. Sung by Shania Twain. Do you know that she was single when she sang that song? And she said, you're still the one. There was no one. But you listen it. And here's the thing. Shania Twain not living it. But here's what happened. <laughs> you, you know, there's a song that says, Hello, my baby, it don't matter if you're black or white. You know that song? Do you know the man changed from black to white? But he's telling you that it don't matter if it's black or white. Of course it matters to him. That is why you have to listen to songs that are in line with scriptures. You can't listen to Lucy. Bujibantan. And sing the part that says, Till Shiloh, which I'm leaving while I'm leaving to the Father. I say, To the Father, I'm praying. No. He said, Till Shiloh, we chant Rastafari name before that. That's not truth. We chant what kind of Rastafari name. You can't listen to lie and speak truth. It says, Whatsoever things are true. You want to know what you're supposed to watch? True things. Do you know what is funny? Everything in Hollywood is false. People are just, that's not their life, that's just their roles in a movie. So people like to follow Denzel Washington. Not Denzel, there's a movie called John Q. That's not Denzel Washington. That's John Q. And John Q is fake. 
And I've heard people say like, Murad do what Denzel Washington do. It's not Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington is a Christian. His life is different from what you see in the movie. Don't follow what you see in the movie. If you're ladies and you like to watch them hallmark on them things, none of those relationships are real. And don't ever look at it and say, boy, you may tell us I saw life go for real. No, it's all made up. You know what kind of movie you must watch? Bible movie. Go and watch the Ten Commandments and them things. Yeah. And Daniel in the lion's den. But you know what we say? No, sir, that's too boring. <laughs> we need some more excitement. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are noble. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Is it pure? Is it lovely? Whatsoever things are of good report. It means that, listen, if what you're saying about the person is not a good report, I don't want to hear it. Don't come tell me, say the person an old criminal and a hypocrite. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear a good report. Come on, tell me. Say, listen, let us pray for so and so because we believe that God needs to change. That is good report. Whatever else you know, keep it to yourself. Once everything is of good report, it says, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The scripture is telling us what to meditate on so it can get and become our hearts so it become our speech. The reason why we're not talking truth is because we're not meditating on truth. The reason why we're not speaking noble things is because we're not meditating on noble things. The reason why we speak in such an unjust way is because we're not meditating on just things. The reason why we're not speaking in such a pure way is because the things that we are consuming, they are not pure things. And so garbage in, garbage out. James 1.25, we're coming to a close, says, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, continues in it. So I look into the Bible, I continue in it. Not by just reading it, but by living it out. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The scripture is really encouraging us that to, and to say this, that if you continue in God's word, you don't forget what God's word says, and you keep on doing what God's word says, there's a blessing in it. There's a blessing in it. So by revisiting the positive messages we receive, intentionally dwelling on them, intentionally, we change the quality of our words are the words that come out of our mouth. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Come on, I want you to just bow your heads with me. I'm going to challenge you this morning. I'm going to give you the challenge I gave to the first service, right? first and then I'm going to lead you into a very simple prayer. 
the challenge I want to give you is it's very simple I want you to either speak to someone face to face or send at least five voice notes but I want you to speak to five persons five minimum five you can go as many as you want and I want you to speak words of encouragement words to edify nothing negative but five minutes just 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 talk pure and truthful and noble and lovely good things about them for five minutes it can be anyone but I don't want it to be just people that you normally tell good things and maybe you need to sit down and tell your husband or tell your wife just for five minutes just to listen to me for five minutes and just speak to them about good things maybe it's a co-worker maybe it's an uh, you shouldn't have any enemy but maybe um, it's somebody who considers you an enemy and you need to send them a voice note and tell them about the love of God and that how you love them and that you pray for them but make sure you're going to do that don't tell any lies you understand me but I want, I want to challenge you to find five persons Listen, this is not getting into a relationship speech. So I'm not talking to why you like them and why you should be back together. I'm talking about spiritual things. So if you don't know what to say, I want you to go and read the word. Meditate on the word. Listen to scripture. And then you call or you text. I don't want, well, not text, but voice note. I don't want you to text. I want you to speak that creative, powerful word that God has given you. With your heads bowed now and your eyes closed. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want us to take some time and begin to speak good things about us. We are what we say. What do you say about you this morning? What do you say about you? Come on, just begin to speak. Open your mouth. Begin to vocalize things over your life. See, I believe that I'm a child of God. I believe that I'm saved and sanctified. I believe that I'm washed in the precious precious blood of Jesus Christ. That I've been bought with a price. I believe that I am forgiven. I believe that I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I believe that I'm the apple of his eyes. Wonderfully and fearfully made in his image and in his likeness. I believe that God is for me and he's not against me. I believe that they are more for me than they are against me. What do you say about you? What do you say about you? I believe that I'm healed and I'm delivered. I believe that I'm blessed beyond measure. I believe that I am above and not beneath. I believe that I'm the joint ear of Jesus. I believe that I'm loved by God. What do you say about you? Come on, speak over your life. 
I believe that I have worth. I believe that I have value. And my worth and my value is not dependent on what people say, where I born. It's not dependent on positions or educational achievement. My worth and my value is dependent on the fact that I was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear any evil for God is with me. I believe that whatsoever I do, I shall prosper in it. I believe that my leaves will not wither. Come on, speak over your life. Speak of speak. Speak over you. What do you believe about you? The reason why you probably have depression issue, self-worth issue, self-esteem because you speak those things. Begin to change your talk. I'm favored by God. Things are working for my good. Just stand to your feet with me with your hands lifted this morning. Come on, just lift your hands with your eyes closed and come on, just lift your hands with me and just begin. Listen, ask God to forgive us. Lord, forgive me for every idle word I've ever spoken. Come on, say, Lord, forgive me for every condemning word I've ever spoken. Lord, forgive me for every malicious word I've ever spoken. Lord, forgive me for every lie I've ever spoken. Lord, forgive me for every dishonoring and disrespectful word I've ever spoken. Come on, just say, Lord, give me a new heart this morning so I can speak a new word. Say that again. Say, Lord, give me a new heart this morning so I can speak a new word. Come on, with your hands lifted. Just say with me, Lord, I make a conscious decision of my will this morning to speak only words that build up, encourage, and edify. I choose now to meditate on the things that are true, just, lovely, of good report, and pure. I choose to meditate on these things. To memorize them. And to speak them over and over again. Until they become a part of me. Come on, just begin to thank him for his forgiveness. Thank him for giving you a new heart. Thank him for giving you a new word this morning. 
Imagine what church would be like if we were just people who encourage each other in spiritual songs and psalms and always seeking to edify and encourage each other. Imagine what our families would be like. Imagine, just imagine, like, you know, we, we, we always spoke the things of God over each other's life. What church would be like. What families would be like. What workplaces would be like. So we bless you for this word this morning, oh God. We choose to be different. Listen, I, I need I need a couple of you, I don't know who you are, to just say, Lord God, I have spoken some words that have invoked curses. God in the name of Jesus. Come on, just say, in the name of Jesus. I pray that God, you will call back every word of curse I've ever spoken over my life and over the life of others. I call them back now in the name of Jesus. And I send forth a blessing, a word of favor, of God's peace and God's love in those same places right now in the name of Jesus choose today church choose today that every time you speak you put the angels of God on assignment and not the demons of hell Spirit of living God bless your people and this week may the words of our mouth and every meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight O God our strength and our redeemer in Jesus name Amen come on clap your hands for Jesus this morning Hallelujah Come on, the praise and worship team is going to come and they're going to lead us out in a song of worship.